Well, so I have a couple streamer friends. Uh, one Australian, one English, but she lives in Central Europe, and then a couple others. And it's weird hearing all of their like similar accents, like accents with similar uh, origins. Mm-hmm. And they're all a little smoother and a little softer. And then out of nowhere, I'll just start fucking talking like, hey, boys, what's up? What are we doing? What's going on? <laughs> what's going on? Like, my, How's it doing? Like, my own voice jars me after listening to them talk. Yeah. Because all, all of my syllables are harder. Yeah. And louder and more obnoxiously very, American. Yeah, they're very smooth. They're low. And I'm very not. Very not. <laughs> Neither am I, though. Honestly, I don't know, Dane. What? I think I might have you beat in that area. Oh no, you have me beaten it. I'm just—I also have hard syllables. I also have you beat. Get on the ground. I have a stick. Let's go. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no. Uh, ow, ow. What the fuck? Why? Ow, fuck. It's it's a fish. You picked the stinkiest fish. Okay. Oh, okay. That's just gross. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the intro? That it is. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to cut in on the point where he says, I have, I have you beat. Hi, welcome to Off to Ramble On. Fuck you. You, no. a- you ass. What did I do? You, you, I know, you know what you did. You know what I did? What did I do? You almost said off topic. I did not. <laughs> Play it back. You can't. Hi, welcome to Off to Ramble On. No. Mm. Past Dane. Don't tell Future Dane what to do. Future Dane's his own man. <laughs> I can tell Future Me whatever I want. Future Dane, don't be a don't be a dick. Come on, back me up on this. <laughs> future Dane says no. Ah, oh, fuck you, Future Dane. You cunt. Yeah, he's such an asshole, isn't he? Ugh. Fuck that guy. Yeah, he's a bitch. <laughs> Ow! Fuck. I just got hit from the future. Reach back into the past and beat you. Yeah. Ow. Sounds something like this. No. Ugh. It's still gross. And that's still a fish. I had to slap my cat upside the head today. That's rude. Well, she was being a cunt. That's rude. I didn't hit her hard. That's still rude. Well, she's got to know. Don't poop on my floor. That's domestic animal abuse. I didn't break it. I just tapped her. You're a moose. I am not. You damn goose. I'm a loose. Don't. Don't be so loose. I will fight if you call me a goose again. I will fuck somebody up. Oh, I'm not I'm one of those goose. wrong creatures. Those things that shouldn't <laughs> exist. Have you told that story on your podcast yet? No. You wanna? Yeah, do it. Okay, so, backstory first. I hate geese. To a point that whenever I tell someone that, including Mr. Nick here, they think I'm kidding. <laughs> I am not. Geese, who cares? I fucking hate them. So, where I grew up, we lived near a town called Green Springs. And Green Springs is famous for the, at least I think the nation's or the world's, I think it's the nation's, no, I think it is the world's, the world's largest sulfur spring. Natural sulfur spring. <laughs> and for some reason, these geese just love to be around it. And so every time my mom and I would go to Green Springs and come in through the north side, we'd get stopped on the road by these fucking geese. They would just sit in the fucking road. My mom wouldn't get out. 
is you would honk and they wouldn't fucking move because they're used to people. And used to cars. Oh. So, I started getting angrier with the geese. And this happened from when I was like five up till when I moved out of mom's house, which when I was, I think it was when I was 19. So for 14 years, I just had this hate building for geese. And now, no matter what, geese, they trigger me. I fuck you. I hate them so much. It is to the point where it is actually funny to many of my friends how much I actually do hate geese. Myself included. (laughs) Yeah. Though in, in BG, there was a goose that ran up on my friend Dan, and he just booked it away from it, and I kicked that goose in the fucking face. Fuck that goose. It's a piece of shit. I don't care how cruel. Taking that goose. No. I don't care how cruel someone's gonna say I am. They're monstrous, bad creatures, and they shouldn't exist. They're wrong. They're wrong, and I hate them. <laughs> Your goose is wrong. <laughs> the way you goose is wrong. You're not allowed to goose. <laughs> Quit it. Oh, Quit it. Uh, fun fact: in the colloquial sort of informal definition of goosing that's correct yeah not allowed to goose don't do that yeah don't fucking rude it is very rude that's harassment yeah do not commit harassment i really like saying the word harassment i know harassment all right hey dane so what's what's your topic of question today so the question i want to pose today i don't care um uh (laughs) is it moral or not to become human, Detroit, W. Kodge. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what? I, if we put the robots, we take them, and we make them people, and we make the black one Robo-Jesus, and then we make slave analogies, is it moral or not to shoot the robots? That's the plot of Detroit Become Human. Anyway, continue. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's the entire Robo Jesus. Robo Jeebus. <laughs> Not even kidding. Into <laughs> a whole rebirth thing of him crawling out of the fucking, the fucking dump. Oh my god. <laughs> and they do like Christ imagery and oh, oh, it's hilarious. Is it? Okay, is it a good game? No. Okay, didn't think so. <laughs> it's the best David Cage game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, I like Beyond Two Souls because I love Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I hate Beyond Two Souls because it's a fucking David Gage game and it's super creepy. Yeah. Um, I liked Heavy Rain because I played it with Jesse and Steven and we handed the controller back and forth and we played different characters. Okay, yeah. And I hated it because it was a David Cage game and it's super creepy. Yeah. And bad. Yeah. <laughs> And I never played Fahrenheit. I or Indigo Prophecy or whatever. Yeah, was. I haven't played. I, I haven't played any David Cage. I played Beyond That's Two funny. Souls. That's the only one I played. I didn't finish that. I just played a little bit of it. It's super fun. It's super bad. It's super fun. Anyway. Anyway. What's your question of David Cage? <laughs> my topic of question today is: Where's my notes? Does it have a lot of polygons? No. Is it expressive and emotional? No. Okay. 
my question of topic, my topic of question, my question topic of questioning today is um, it's going to roll off of D&D Pathfinder again. Cool. I can just divert it back to David Cage. Yeah, fine. But um, what I'm going to say is role-playing in-game. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but a lot of people I've played with, a lot of DMs, have forced people to roleplay. And I don't think that's a good thing. Like, force them to do character voices, force them to, do, to act out stuff. Like, it pulls someone out of their comfort zone. So, I'm going to pose this question to you, me, and everyone else who's listening or whatever. Do you think roleplaying should be required? Or be lenient with it and let people be comfortable playing? Well, okay, like a lot of D&D-related questions, should you do this, should you do that, it really comes down to the group you have, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Role-playing is the sort of thing that should be discussed with the group before the game even starts. Um, are we going to stay in character? Are we going to reward people for staying in character? Are we going to punish them for being out of character? Are we all comfortable with doing this? Can I do this? Um, you don't have to do this. I want to do it. like it. It's really a very individual thing. Yeah. You know, um, I like to try and role play as much as possible, but you know, given the people that I play with, it doesn't always work out that way because they don't always like to role play as much as I would, or as as and again, in some situations, it just it just isn't possible to do it while conveying the information you want to to your other players or to your DM. Yeah. Do I think you should force people to roleplay? No. Unless that's what the group agreed upon in the first place. You know? Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. What I've done, what I've done previously, and I did this with, um, I did a one-shot with, um, with a couple guys in our D&D group. And I, I basically said, I said, so if you don't want to role play and care, if you don't want to get into it, I'm not going to make you. I did it, you know, before everything went up. I was like, I'm not going to make you go into character deep. I'm not going to make you do that. Because if, one, if you're not comfortable doing it, two, if you just don't want to, it's kind of difficult for you. Or if you're like my friend Tyler, who literally cannot do voices, he would love to. He would love to more than anything. He just, for some reason, even if you try and teach him, he just can't. So... Here's another thing, like, you don't necessarily need a character voice. That's no, not, no. It, a lot of it comes down, you don't even need to be good at acting. You just need to be able to understand how your character would react in a certain scenario and get that across as best you can. Like, that's role-playing. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be speaking in an accent the whole time, never, never wavering from speaking in character, never speaking out of character. Like, it's just... Yeah properly immersing yourself in the character in the world that you're playing but what what i've told different players is i'm like if you if you just want to know if you want to differentiate just say my character or name you're just like you know Bilden does in this out of character Bilden says this and then if you're talking before if you don't say my character blank you're not talking in character because yeah just yeah. be clear whether you're in or out of character yeah I do it's... voices, but that's just because I like doing it. I think Nick and I are both on the same wavelength of we like just doing voices. 
Yeah, and again, like I said, not every character needs a voice. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the way, the things that they say are different than the things that you would say. The way they react to something can give away whether you're doing it in character or not. Yeah, just in even vernacular. I mean, vernacular is a mm-hmm. big part of it because, like, I, I do not have the same vernacular as Oust does, who I play in our current campaign. Her and I's vernacular are very different. You like that word a lot. Yes, I do. It's a fun word. I almost like it as much as saying harassment. Mm, harassment. <laughs> that's that's emotional harassment, Dane. But how does Mr. Cage role play? David Cage, he adds more polygons to game and then gets more emotion. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. 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 His name's not even David Cage. Really? Yeah. What a bitch. I don't remember where he got the David, but the Cage is after Johnny Cage. What a bitch. Right? God. His name's probably like John Smith. It's not. Oh. I don't remember. He's French. I don't remember what his actual name is. Jean Smith? <laughs> Jean-Luc Smith. Jean Le Smith. <laughs> Jean Le Smith, begging. <laughs> Come here, have baguette. And there's the French audience alienated. <laughs> yes. Or my favorite thing is whenever I, I'll be somewhere and someone will like want to do a French accent and they just say lay before something, all the time. And you're just like, that's mm-hmm. not how that works. You're the wrong. <laughs> Your French is wrong. The way you like to French ah, is wrong. Here it is David de Gertola. Ah. Yeah. John Smith. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's his name, John Smith. Confirmed. He's 49 years old. Oh. Same age as my dad. He's younger than my dad. Dude, that's 49? Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed. He turned 50 this year. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? I was at his birthday. No, not yet. He's going to. Oh, I was at the... I was just at a party. I wasn't at a birthday party. No. Well, uh, you were at a party that happened to take place on my dad's 49th birthday. Right. Yes, I was. And then I went and saw my cousin, and that was the worst idea. Mm-hmm. I love her. I do. I love Lindsay. I love her to death. I really do. I don't like her roommates. That sounds fun. Because one roommate is somebody who messaged me and said, we should hang out and date. And I said, okay. And they never talked to me again. And I was like, then why the fuck did you say that? <laughs> and then the other one was, hey, you're really cool. When I met them at the party, first time I was like, hey, you're really cool. I was like, all right, cool, thanks. And then I'd been there for 10 minutes and they were like, hey, when are you going to leave? <laughs> Just like, hey, fuck you. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I, I like you too. Glad we're friends. Glad I met you. I hope Funny. you... Getting a... I was totally looking away from the microphone when I said that. I was <laughs> literally looking the exact opposite direction. Really hope you get in a dumpster fire. What? Bolts. Yeah. Yeah, some people should be in a dumpster fire. Some people should. Some people are already dumpster fires. True. I have one. Have you heard of this guy? Larger, hotter dumpster fire. Yeah. Heard of this guy named Dane? He should be a dumpster fire. Should be in one. He's a dumpster fire. Yeah, he is. And I'm he sucks. Fire. Nah, you're all right. Dane, it's Marcus. Come in me. Baird, it's Marcus. Come in me. Come in me. <laughs> Shut up! Uh, 
Yeah, Dane and I used to play video games together all the time. Oh, it was because fun. Because we were college. We were college. And um, there was a period where we were just playing through the Gears of War series together. We never finished three. No, we didn't. Um, and I just I was showing Dane all these dumb little things about Gears 1 and 2 that he didn't know. Like, for example, the ability to skip radio calls while you're walking around at a mile an hour with your hand up to your ear. And toast! Yeah. Uh, and at one point we were playing, it was the Ultimate Edition, right? Yeah. It was like four in the morning and we were a little drunk. And uh, we just started to lose it. Yeah, at everything. At fucking hey, everything. Cortana, take a screenshot. Take a screenshot. Take, and just, I don't know, it's every dumb little thing became a dumb huge of ridiculous thing yes it did and it was wonderful for the next like six months i want you to know when i first got my phone my new phone the galaxy note when i had to take a screenshot i looked at the phone and i was like hey take a screenshot i'm glad i'm glad you told me that i'm glad i know this this information has enriched my life greatly oh thanks this sparks joy oh i assume it does don't have to be an ass about it (laughs) This screenshot sparks joy. This screen spot. No. What? Say <laughs> that again. This screenshot. <laughs> the screenshot sparks screenshot. <sighs> That's a joke. Just a never-ending cycle of screenshots. Yes. Over and over and over and over and over again. We're talking about literally nothing right now. Yeah, we are. This is what's happening. Yeah. Anyways, D and D. So. No, fuck that, man. Okay. Through the Mass Effect trilogy again, um, and I kind of do this every year at the beginning of the year. I start ME one like right on New Year's, and then around this time, I'm finishing up three or finishing up Citadel. And I was on Facebook because you know memories and whatever. Who cares? Yeah. And it's like, hey, you might want to see this memory from three years ago, and the year after that, and the year, and it's each one of them was oh, bump my microphone. Each one of them was like either some vague or direct reference to the Citadel DLC. And I don't know if you saw this, but like I shared it and I'm like, you know, I was going to say something witty about how convenient it is that this is happening. But honestly, every single year around this time, I'm usually at that point in the series. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I don't know. It's like... I'm super attached to those characters. I really am. It's wonderful. I'm very glad you you it can you into playing it. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah. like I had I had played Mass Effect one, not all the way through, and I just didn't pick it up. And um, and Nick was like, "You should play it though, because I'm a, I'm Armageddon. No, Andromeda. Andromeda was coming out. Andromeda was coming out. And you were like, you should play it. You really should. I think you'd like it. I was like, okay, I I will. All right, fine, whatever." So I pick up one, and I started playing one. And here's the thing, right? I The big thing I mentioned to you was to keep in perspective the purpose of each of the games of the original trilogy, right? Yeah. The first game is to build the world. The second game is to build the characters. The third game is the primary story. Yes. And, and that's that's the thing that you want to you want to keep in mind every time you play that series. And whenever when I when it was explained to me that way. It was much better. It was more fun. 
Because I remember there was just points when I was in the in Mass Effect 1, and I'm just running around a world. I'm not doing anything. I have a mission. I'm not doing it. But I'm just, like, walking around, looking at shit. And I'm like, it. Rolling around the terrain in the Mako. Yeah. I'm just like, Flipping the yes. Mako. Yes. Flipping the Mako. Flipping the Mako. Flipping the Mako. Jumping the Mako. Flipping, flipping the, the Mako. <laughs> Trying to make the Mako fly. It didn't fly. Flipping the Mako. <laughs> flipping the Mako. <laughs> you can do so much in Mass Effect. It's it's fun. It's a, such a fun series, and I think yeah. it's never too late to get into it, ever. Um, yeah, and if I know you didn't with all the DLC, but especially because one has Pinnacle Station and Bring Down the Sky. Yeah. Pinnacle Station, eh? Who cares? Bring Down the Sky is super important because of what happens in the end of two in the arrival dlc um because i'm gonna stay as spoiler free as possible for anyone who hasn't played it yeah that's fine bring down the sky basically shepherd's goal is to stop a group of alien terrorists from dropping an asteroid on a colony full of people ah mass effect 2 how do i phrase this is a very similar situation with a very different outcome. Yes. Not because of how it ends, but because of the reasoning behind what is happening. It's a good way to put it. In in Arrival. And then Arrival transitions directly into the start of 3. And if you ever play Mass Effect 3, remember that the end of the actual game isn't the real ending. The end of Citadel is the real ending specifically the end of citadel when you've done everything else in every other game up to that point including everything in three because that's where when bioware realized hey we're not going to get to fix this we're not going to have any time to do anything else with this game throw everybody who's working on anything right now at this and let them have fun with it and it's it's to this day my single favorite expansion in any video game very good. Do you want to, start, speaking of video games, do you want to know something I read? I don't know how credible this is, so. No. I'm grain of salt. But, um. <laughs> take out the grain of salt. <laughs> but, so, Pokemon Sword and Shield announced. Whatever. I did. Still finished Moon. We, we, I had a, me and Professor Sacrum had a big long talk about it, so. We kind of talked about what he wanted to see. John and I did as well, and then. John and I can talk about theories but not in depth because he's more game side than theory side but professor sacrum and i are very theory side we love it we love every minute of discussing theory and so we either want to put out at least some episodes here and there and ramble on about just theory of it or just kind of just you know make our own different show where we just do it we also want to do sister let's plays of you know, he does sword, I do shield. He does shield, I do sword, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've pre-ordered and paid off both already. Just in case? Just in case. I knew I was going to get them both, either way. But I was reading something that uh, Game Freak was toying around with the idea of putting DLC with sword and shield, having things you can buy afterward. And they were like, maybe five, ten dollars $10. But expanding on post-game stuff. Like, that we w- take a Pokemon... It game we give we give DLC five dollar ten dollar it extra game play after game game come out you buy you give money we give you more game DLC five dollar 
Maybe ten, maybe fifteen dollar. You take, you play, you get game. More DLC later, maybe twenty dollar. Maybe. You buy for both game twenty five thirty dollar. Bundle for all game all DLC seventy dollar. Good guild, good gift. You buy. You buy give buy. Buy we give. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm I'm so excited for those games. I'm ridiculously excited for them. And it's not okay. Yeah, I still never finished Moon. Yeah, well... It's hard. It's not difficult, it's just hard to care. It's very hard to care. We had this... I Every Pokemon game I've ever finished, I've had this semblance of, cool, I finished that. That was fun, but I enjoyed it. You want to keep playing it. With Sun, because that's the... I did... I did... I'm not going to drive through them up at the same time. Yeah. I'm not going to drudge through any other Gen 7 game because I enjoyed Sun at the beginning. Besides that hour and a half tutorial or however Only fuck. an hour and a half? It was like three hours. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was way too long. I've played all of the Pokemons before. One thing I want to see with hard. Sword and Shield that I've mentioned more than once is just give me a choice to say I don't need this. Tutorial. tutorial wise, yeah. I don't need. I know what to. I know how to catch. I know how to well, battle. In, in a lot of the games, someone will say, "Hey, do you know how to catch Pokemon?" And you'll say, "Yes," and they'll be like, "Cool, here's some Pokeballs." Yeah, that's it. And then they but, just. It's, it's Sun and Moon were very too much for me, in my opinion. Were very too handholdy. So my problem with Moon, and I get a lot of shit for this, I guess, because I guess a lot of people don't agree with me, is I have the same feeling I felt with Black and White and Black and White 2, where I really didn't want to finish it. I didn't give a shit. Because like, I know every, a lot of people love N and love the story of, of Unova and, and Gen 5, but God, it just was so fucking boring to me. I think yeah, it just comes down to like what kind of story you want to and what kind of story Plus, you enjoy. I, I like I hated the animated sprites. I thought they were terrible and they looked bad. Yes. I will give you that. I enjoyed black black, white, black two, white two. I enjoyed them, but that's just me. I'm never gonna get mad at somebody for disliking something story wise, because you can't you don't get born or you don't get to pick the story that makes you happy. It just clicks or doesn't click with you. It's the same thing with music. You Sometimes you just don't like an artist or a song just because you don't like it. There's no way for you to be like, I don't like it because of this. I will always try to find a reason. If I can't, I just don't enjoy it in a lot of artistry. And there are games that everyone's going to like or not like just because they don't like it. They don't have to explain themselves. <laughs> they don't have to like the thing. No, Dane, that game is bad, and you're bad for liking it. Fair. So, but... Because you don't... Because you like it, I hate you, and you must be a terrible person. Mm. You have to be. That's the only explanation. Alright, are you a 13-year-old? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. I think that's how I was at 13, too, probably. It was very Just kidding, I'm a 35-year-old man. Yeah, On the internet. Sure. Telling you that I fucking hate you, and I'm going to kill your family, because I don't like the... I don't like the game that you like. One, good luck. Two, 
Go for it. Let's see how that one turns out. Because while you were studying the video games I don't like, I studied the blade. <laughs> well, I want to see you roll up on my mom and be like, I'm going to kill you. And she'll be like, I hate cool. Do you like 12 gauges? Uh, do you watch, um, you watch Wang on YouTube? Wang. Justin Wang. A little bit. So, he did a, a video recently about that, that, uh, I say kid, but he was in his late 20s, almost 30, that, uh, stopped a fight on the subway with a katana. <laughs> and then... Like, the news caught up with him, and he started talking about how he lived in Japan for several years, and how he did this, and how he did that, and how he had a battle plan all ready to go, and he was demonstrating, like, all this other shit. And it's just, every time someone says anything about, like, the Blade now, I just think of him. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, side note, if you haven't watched Wang on YouTube, W-H-A-N-G exclamation point, you definitely should. He makes quality content. I'll probably have cool to. Guy. I'll look at it. I will. I will look at it. Definitely. Yeah. You. You. You'll like his stuff a lot. Actually. Yeah. You'll like it a lot. <laughs> Believe he's a metal musician as well. That's amazing. Yeah. But I. I do find it funny whenever someone talks about the blade because I technically am trained in a blade. Not. Oh fuck off. Fully trained. I'm not trained well. I'm not gonna sit here and be like I studied the blade for years. I study it for like three months, bro. Listen. I can hit people with a stick. Yeah, I can do that. But my favorite thing with it was I went to Dagahir in BG, which is a it's a role playing thing where they they LARP and they use like foam swords and shit like that. Yeah. And I went on there and they were like, "What would you like to use?" I was like, "Well, I'll go sword and shield because that's what my trainer gave us to test on." I was like, "That's the thing I'm most comfortable with. I'll do that." Whatever. And. <laughs> I remember I did a thing where I just I blocked a hit and then pushed the guy away with my foot because I was told when you parry a hit, put as much distance between you two so that you can be ready. Not engage and reengage. Yeah. And I got a like a write up. I guess it's a, like a write up for the club thing. It was like you can't do that, and I'm like, but why? <laughs> Like, you just can't. You can't. You might knock legs. someone over. Like, We're hitting each other with foam swords. We have to be careful. I'm like, okay, all right. So then I would parry and then I would strike. But I would strike hard because it's a sword. But it's made of foam. And then I made someone actually, like, he was maybe almost 30. This guy was not young. Was it the, the dude that always wore the, like, the green tunic when everyone else was in jeans? With the long hair and the, the, like, super scraggly beard. The, like, greasy long ponytail. It might have been. That was the only old guy that I ever saw out there. Well, older guy that I ever saw out there playing with them. I think it might have been. It might have been one of them. But, like, they started, he started, like, <laughs> huffing. And I'm like, really? It's foam. Listen. Yeah. It was a PVC pipe wrapped in a fucking tube. I've been hit with a metal bar. This shit hurts. Speaking of metal bars hurting. Um, okay. So. <laughs> That's a segue. I can now confidently say that I have hit my head on every single piece, major piece of equipment in the shop. Nice. More than once. 
And how was that? It hurts a lot. Yeah. I just give me headache. Yeah. Good thing we got a big old bottle of fucking Tylenol in the office. Very good. <laughs> yes, very good indeed. We have a big old oh. pile of like ibuprofen and Tylenol for uh, employees at Sure's Path. And because I because I continually get migraines because it's just me sitting in a building of fluorescent lights for eight hours. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Um, I have to go to the nurse and I'm like every other week I'm like, hey, I need some ibuprofen or something. My head's fucking killing me. And they think I'm just trying to take pills. They're like, are you get like I remember the nurse was like, Are you getting addicted to pills? And I was like, Yes. It's that's ibuprofen. And I'm like, Yes, I'm trying to take some pain pills that literally don't give you a high. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's an anti-inflammatory. I'm just trying to make the swelling in my head go down a little bit so it's bearable. It's not going to fix my pain. It's it just going to make it... won't get you high. It'll just kill you and shut down your liver. Yeah. In the opposite order of that, yeah. Well, depending. Depending if shut ibuprofen is a... first. Yeah, probably. But... <laughs> they just... and Oh, my God. This place, this place that I work at, and I, I love the job. I do. But, I like, half the people who work there either have only heard about drugs or have not seen a drug once in their life. Pretzel. And I'm like, how in the fuck did you get into drug rehabilitation by knowing nothing about drug rehabilitation? Um, there was one... I'm addicted to pretzel. That's fine. Get addicted. But <laughs> don't quote that ever. That's fine. They're addicted. <laughs> but um, one of the one of the girls who works there, I'm not going to give out a name of her, but she was talking to me. She's like, you know, when these guys do like heroin or they do meth, their brain stops growing when they do it. It's usually at 16. What? And I was like, where did you read that? And she's like, well, I read it in this thing. And I was like, yeah, that's not how that works at all. Like, even a little what? bit. No. The brain doesn't just stop growing because you did some it's not smack. not one of them there. Catholic science textbooks. <laughs> and I was like, there's a guy in Bowling Green State University who is, like, the, the head of the psychology stuff. And he has a doctorate focused in addiction psychology. Many of his books sit in the library. And I'm like, do you want me to go? I can go grab one. I can go, like, hey. I won't buy that book because he's got like 30 of them in his office. Be like, hey, I'll give you $15. Can I have one of those books? And he'll be like, yeah, sure. Because he usually gives them, he gives them to students for free. He just I'm assuming students who need them and can't afford them. Pretty much, yeah. Because he's probably one of the few cool professors at that school. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the psych professors are very nice up there. I talk to a lot of them. They're very, but again... They study the brain. They know the difference between you. While you were doing yeah. drugs, I studied the brain. <laughs> I studied the brain. Gibson? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. That's a lot to study. That, that's a lot. He's, that boy is buff. He doesn't, he doesn't hide anything. No, never. Ever. <laughs> but I. What were we talking about? D&D. Oh, yeah, drugs. Yeah. 
But then I, I was talking to somebody and one of the counselors that worked there who doesn't work there anymore. I'm not going to give out a gender or a name for them because I want to protect them as much as possible because there was a big issue that happened with a lot of stuff. So I don't want to give out anything about them because I really liked who they were. I liked working with them. I liked who they were before the accident. <laughs> After it, they just, they weren't wrong. They weren't the same. <laughs> but I was talking to them. And I was like, yeah, so what's your experience with drug abuse? And she's like, well, ooh. they were like, well, a friend of mine had to go to rehab. So I went and saw him there. And I'm just like, what else? And they were like, that's it. And you're just sitting there like, I have more experience yeah. with this than this entire medical staff combined. I'm like, oh, God. I've been in a drug house when it was raided. Listen, shit gets crazy real quick. And a lot of the people there are very handholdy to the guys in the rehab. And I've told every guy here, it is a male-only facility, told every guy in the rehab, I'm like, I'm not the one who fucked up. Y'all fucked up. I'm not telling you something you don't already know. However, my job is to make sure you don't fuck up again. And usually they're like, yeah, but some people, some of the guys are like, that's really mean of you to say. And I was like, look, we've all fucked up in some way or another. I have, you have, anyone has. Thing is, you're here so you don't have to go and get fucked up again. So you can live without being fucked up. Now I brought a 24-pack. Let's get fucked up. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Or like they're they the thing is you can't talk about they say you can't talk about um, alcohol at all in the facility with any any of the guys there, and I'm like, a lot of these guys will go if they were like opiate users they will go and drink out of here but they'll drink responsibly. That happens more often than not because they still have to fill the void with something, and really what they're looking for is a head rush. And depending on the alcohol, it can give you a head rush. They just have to know not to do too much. But it doesn't matter. Give everybody absinthe all the time. Yeah, and I'm just... They're very very—they're very hand-holdy, and they're very, very strict and mean with these guys. And I'm like, you are talking down to them. They talk down to them. They talk bad about them. They say mean things about them when they're not there or behind their back. Who's a pretty little drug-addicted drug baby? Yeah. You did drugs? Or did you do drugs? (laughs) Oh, you did drugs, didn't you? And then, a lot of times the guys will lie about what they did when they come in. They'll be like, oh, I drank a lot, and that's it. And, I I mean, there was a guy who came in and said that, and I just looked at him, and he was was high when he was there. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there with the nurse, and the nurse was like, what'd you do? He's like, oh, I really only, um... I really only drank a lot. I just looked at him, and I was like, that's a fucking lie, you know it. Like, that's kind of the point of a rehab facility, yeah. is to be a judgment-free area. Yeah. You go there willingly, because you want to get help. Yes. That's why it exists, and to make money, obviously. Yeah, but the nurse said, okay, and then she looked at me, she's like, that's very rude, Dane. And I was like, he's nodding out right there, dude's tweaking. The fuck do you mean? And he's like... Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> just like, you should know what it looks like. Just because you're naive <laughs> don't mean that you know what you're doing. 
I've watched someone nod out. I've watched someone overdose. Shit happens. You know what it looks like. It's very simple. It. This is why I work here. <laughs> that's why I picked the job. Because I know what it looks like. So that when someone comes in or comes back from a visit or whatever, I can tell you right away when they're in. I'm like, you fucking got high. <laughs> God damn it. Because we have... Yeah, you fucked up. We didn't have anyone, since I've been working there, we haven't had anyone go out and get high on a visit. But I know, I think they said before I started working there, someone went out on a visit and came back and they got, they just doped up. And they brought drugs into the facility. Of course they did. And so we had to have a whole, there was a whole big thing that happened right before I started working there. And they almost got, this place opened in January. And they're already advertising it on Facebook. They're advertising it on multiple websites. And they're putting it out to every hospital around the tri, Tri-County area. We have people coming from Lorraine County to Fremont, Ohio. Just so you know, that's an hour to two hours away. Yeah. I'm just like, you. I kept talking to Diana. I was like, you were making a very big mistake with this kind of marketing. She's like, well, we need stuff. We need people here. And I said, yeah, get local first, establish a grounds, and then move out. Don't – that's running a business 101. Local first because if you don't stay local and you bring people from outside areas and they can't get the things they need, you break your rules. Because it's so the rules are once you're there, you have to be there for 14 days before you can have a phone call. And drop-offs are on very specific times at very very specific days, and so are visits. Some people live three four hours away. They're not they're not yeah. they're not visiting. I'm sorry. I mean they they have lives, they have jobs, and I was like, what? Why can't they if they're in town and they have stuff to drop off, but it's not drop-off time? Why can't they drop it off? And they're all like, well, they can just mail it. Okay, yeah, have them mail you a big box of stuff. Sure. You know how much that costs? Nobody's going to pay that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And most of these people are paying for the rehab out of pocket a lot. To say, I, why a designated drop-off time? Why not drop it off at the office so that the office can go through it and make sure there's no contraband in it? Like, isn't that the idea? That's We have to go through it anyways. So I don't know yeah. why they have specific drop-off times. When we get a drop-off, I have to go to the door, grab the drop-off, not let the – I don't get – the client doesn't get to see it. I walk the drop-off straight to my office. I set him down the office. I shut and lock the office door. And I, I go through. Yeah, I go through all of it. And then I will unlock and open the door, and then I'll give them what they're allowed to have, but what's supposed to be in their contraband locker, and whatever else. Mm -hmm. And we're also not supposed to buy them cigarettes, which, one, I yeah. can't afford that, firstly. And secondly, a lot of the people are doing it anyways. And they keep saying, like, you can't go out and just buy them cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, I got chewed the fuck out for that. One of the new guys who came in, who's working, one of the new workers, does that all the time. And he's never been yelled at for it. And I'm like, dude, who the fuck am I then? It's getting to the I point. Mean, go ahead. It's kind of a problem I run into with one of my coworkers. Where he and I work very hard. Yes. If we don't work for more than 20, 30 seconds, we take a break. A lot of the times, we will get questioned why we're not working. 
why we're not doing this, why we're not doing that. Whereas other coworkers we have will do the same thing, except they just won't work at all. Oh. And they don't get questioned. And my coworker who does work gets angry, gets upset, and yeah, it makes sense why he'd get upset that we were being treated this way and they weren't. But I turn to him and say, you realize the only reason we get this treatment is because we're the only ones who actually will work when asked. Yeah. They are a lost cause. They're not going to work. We are not a lost cause. And because we're working, we're getting paid more than them anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. I get it. I get yeah. it. But at the same time, there's a reason for it. Which... I'm not saying that the same thing applies to you. Yeah. Just that there's usually something else going on. I've been pulled into my supervisor's office now three times to get talked and chewed out about different things that I've done wrong. And the thing is, I read through the employee handbook. Half the rules they tell me for the facility aren't in the handbook. And some of the rules they tell me that are in the intake packet we do with our guys when they first come in aren't in there either. And also, an intake packet is supposed to be done on first shift. And since I've been working there, only second shift is on intake packets. Hmm. And I talked to my supervisor. I said, look, I'm not going to keep doing intake packets. I have to run this place at night. During the day, there's a two-hour group during the day. There's another group somewhere else. They do lunch. They do all this. They're moving all the time. So the guy on first shift has a lot of time to set up an intake packet and do all this stuff. I don't. I don't have a group that comes in. I have to run a group. I have to... Make sure they're not breaking any rules because it's winding down. Day is winding down. I don't have the time to sit down with four or five guys and go through an intake packet while the other guys are just running around and all they have is a nurse out there. And so I keep telling my supervisor, I'm like, we need two people on second shift at least per shift because I'm not going to be doing this by myself. I'm sorry. There's 24 guys here. I will not I have lo I've forgotten four or five different names. I've forgotten four or five different whatever. I mean it's it's hard cuz I just have to keep track of 20 some guys. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I yeah, it's a lot of work for one person for sure. I got to keep track of all the my paperwork already. I have to write out notes for everything. And on top of all of that, <laughs> they still want me to run the groups and do this and do that. And then they come in, they're like, why isn't any of this done? You were supposed to do it on your shift. And I said, yeah, you give me three days a week, two weekdays to do stuff. What do you expect? Is it full-time? No, it's part-time. Does it pay well, at least? 14 an hour. That's more than I make. Yeah. I, I don't mind the pay at all. I don't mind the job. I really like the job, actually. It's the management I have an issue with. Because the management's running two separate rehabs. I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to expect you, the, this is my supervisor, the case manager, the executive director, I'm not going to expect them to come between both places. Here's my, okay, I'm going to give one more. I'm sorry, I'm complaining a lot. But here's one thing that doesn't make sense to me at all. So when they come in, they give us a list of people they want to have to be able to call on the 14th day. So they can call one of those people. But if those people want to call in and ask about them, they have to give us a password. 
so that we know it's the right person that we're actually talking to somebody. Yeah. We don't give we're not supposed to give the password out to the people on the phone on the on the phone list. Mm-hmm. They're not told when they come in on intake that they have to have a password set up for the phone list. So they basically can't talk to anybody. So I'm just I kept asking I asked her about it and I said why is this not how it works? Why do we have to just assume they know the password? And then she told me, well, it's probably because they should know that they have to set a password when they come in. I said, they don't. It's not an inquiry. It's not in their intake. It's not on any of that. And she's like, well, we should tell them. And tell them what? When they're nodding out on the phone trying to do an inquiry for us, when they're high as shit, you think you're going to remember? There was a guy who came in who didn't remember he had a P.O. when he called in. Honest mistake, he was fucking high. Mm-hmm. He didn't remember he had a P.O. He's getting his he's getting his fix. But when they asked if he had a P.O., he said, oh, no, no. And then he told me, like, two days after he'd been in, he's like, actually, now I'm thinking about it. It's like, I'm sorry, I lied. I didn't mean to. I do have a P.O. And I was like, that's fine. Like, you probably didn't. Just edit that in your file. Guess what? Here you go. Yeah. We'll he let gave your parole officer know where you are. Yeah, his mom already called. He told his mom, "Hey, like basically, I called his mom and I said, hey, you need to call his PO and say, hey, listen, he's in this facility. He's he's in a rehab.' And so yeah, we got everything sorted out. The PO understands. She didn't call for a warrant for his arrest. We're good. I was like, cool, good. She works. It's where it needs to be. I was told I wasn't supposed to do that." The case manager was. And I said, yeah, well, it was fucking Saturday and you're not in. Hmm. So at this point, my hands keep getting tied tighter and tighter and I can't do anything. And then I have to call my supervisor in order to ask a question, but they won't answer the phone when I have to call them until the day after. And I'm like, the situation's done. Situation's over with. I had to make a decision. Yeah, so I just made one, and they keep yelling at me about it. If you're not here, and I can't call you, and you won't answer, I'm going to make the decision on my own. Because that's just how it is. Yeah. Sorry, I'm complaining a lot. No, you're good. I just really, I really like the job, and I want to keep the job. But it's getting to the point where I'm like, I'd rather go back to retail. Because at that, least, huh, forget what I said earlier. That is a bold move. Yeah. So I'm like, I'd rather do that than have to sit here and be told I can't do something when there's no one here to supervise me on it. Yeah. I'm like, then I'll just, I'll just do it anyways. It just, it gets to the point where, and when my mom, who graciously actually told me about the job, and I'm so thankful she did. She's like, well, you haven't been there long enough to form an opinion. I said, yeah, I have. I mean, I get that, but like, yeah. sometimes you just know what it's going to be like. Sometimes sometimes you start somewhere and you get a very good idea of how things are going to be very early on. I've worked a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of different jobs. I've had a lot of different managers and supervisors. I've actually had a supervisor who has punched me. I've had a supervisor who has thrown me into something. I've had a supervisor and a manager who have both tried to fire me over a non-fireable offense. Trust me, I've had some bad 
fucking managers and supervisors. I've had some shit ones. It does not compare hmm. to the shit storm that I have to deal with here. And the worst part is, well, not the worst, the best part is, my family member, my cousin, owns the whole company. Oof. And I usually don't, I don't try to go to her with anything. I'm like, look, I'll take care of it internally. That's fine. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go over everybody's head and I'm going to be like, look. Because I can't communicate. Because when I talk to one person, another person will back them up. And then there's three main people. The case manager, the executive director, and director, and the supervising chemical dependency counselor. If I say something to one, they'll talk to the other two, and all three of them will tell me that I'm wrong. No matter what. And they have their little niche group of employees that they like because they think the same way they do. Makes sense. You like to be around like-minded people just what it is i mean what all they've done is create an echo chamber Mm -hmm. which i said you're not which i'm just sitting there thinking you're not your own boss right now you're working under someone else and if you fuck this up and you make my aunt or my cousin lose money on this she's never going to work with you again you're not going to be working here together all you want just know i got connections too (laughs) Listen, she will take everything I she won't take everything I say at face value because she knows for a fact if I'm coming to her to complain, that means I've tried everything else. It was the same way when I worked at the other company she runs, which is the home health care stuff. Oh, that's the stuff you did before? Yeah. Where I did it okay. over in Lindsay and then in Bowling Green. Yeah. Um I went to her after I had talked to my case manager and my guys' case managers four or five times about something. I said, look, I can't do this anymore. Obviously, no one's listening. I just drove straight to Kathy. Her name's out there, so don't worry. Her name is I'm not worried, man. You're the editor. Yeah, true. (laughs) You got shit you don't want in there. You're the one that's going to make the call. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) It ain't my problem. It ain't my concern. Might do that. But Kathy's name is everywhere. I mean, she has a very successful nursing home. She has a very successful home healthcare business. She has a ne- very successful girls rehab facility, which mine is the sister facility to that. Ironically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Anyway. Anyway, I went to her. sucks sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I went to her when I was working at uh, the other company, home healthcare. And I said, look, Kathy, I just can't, I can't go to anybody else. And she Talked to my case manager, but nothing happened. So I said, okay, well, I guess I'll leave. If, if nothing's going to get changed, nothing's going to get fixed, I'm going to And I'm going, I'm, it's the same feeling I had then that I'm having right now about the place. And I'm like, this sucks. I've had this exact same thing happen. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Sorry, I got on a rant. I'm sorry. I noticed, yeah. That was like 20, 25 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were talking about. Role play with D and D. Yeah. Oh, it was something else after that. Well, video games mainly. Yeah. To be fair, that's usually what it is. Yes. Well, that's the point of this podcast. Just go. Yeah, it just happens. Whatever. Yeah. It's a. It's it's like the podcast you'd listen to. It's for me, like my bim bam, my brother, my brother, and me. If I have a long drive, I'll just put it on. 
I'm not going to pay attention to the whole thing, maybe, but they'll be talking about stuff. And it just makes that drive feel better, because sometimes music doesn't do it for me. Which is weird. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Same thing with uh, me and Critical Role, right? Yeah. Like, I can only listen to the same playlists so many times before I want to hear something new. And if you're driving, it's hard to make a new playlist. So you just put it on a podcast. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, you know, Critical Role, three Especially hours of stuff. Especially something with a progression. Oh, dude. So, I bought a new car recently. Yes, and, I know. And, yeah, you know about that. And, um, in the month and a half since I've owned it, I've put 3,000 miles on it. Damn. Because I've done a lot of traveling recently. Yeah. Um, I drove 800 miles to get the damn thing in the first place. Where'd you drive to? Total. It was 800 total. Uh, I got it in Indiana. Okay. Um, hi, Jojo. How are you? Uh, and then, oh, literally a week later, I took a trip out to the west side of Illinois to visit a friend. Um, and that was a trip and a half. And I've done a lot of driving around town recently, like a shit ton. So, it went from having 61,000 to 64,000 miles on it since uh, I bought it in mid-February. Cool. And I gotta say, man, I think I made the right choice with this car. It's comfortable and I like spending time in it. That's and good. It's fun to drive. It's fun as hell to drive. Which one? What car is it? It's a 2013 Ford Focus ST. Okay, yeah. Because I remember I called it because I didn't really get a good picture. I called it an R, an RS, and I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the step below the RS. Yeah. It's front wheel drive, and it's got the two liter, not the two three. Yeah. So it's fun as hell to drive. It's not the fastest thing in the world, but it's quick and it handles really well. Manual, I'm assuming. Yeah, six speed. Yeah, cool. It looked like a fun car. It looked it yes. looked good too. It looked really good. Yeah, it's in really good you know shape. How hard it was to find uh, that car in that year in Tangerine Scream with the mileage I wanted for the price I wanted. Difficult. With the trim level I wanted that had the Recaro seats in it. Very difficult. Hard. Yeah. It's because every time they would come up, they would sell within three days. And I could only go look at it on weekends. It's yeah, no, I'm very happy with it. Because I want to go. I, I my my car got my car just had a big, my Honda just had a big old dump truck fall on it. Not literally, figure, figuratively. Yeah. My oil was like I need my oil changed, and I was like, okay, that's not too bad. It's quick and easy. And then as soon as that happened, my brake pads and my front brake pads were gone. I was like. It probably hadn't been changed. No, and so I was like, well, that if added... pads are gone, and they've been gone for a while, then you might need new calipers, and that's a whole thing. I got very lucky that my I caught it very early, because I just I started hearing the sound. Squeal. The yeah. squealing and the, and the scratching, uh, almost scratching, and I was Which like... Which means you definitely need new yeah. rotors. And so I was like, fuck. So I had to take it over there, but I had to drive all the way out to... My dad was helping me pay for it, so I had to drive all the way out to his place... Which is an hour away from where I live, so either way, I was like, oh, "Fucked." Yeah, but it's highway driving, so yeah, you don't need to stop too much. But I changed my oil on my own so that I could pay a little less money for that, and then took Did it you there. Roll it up on uh, jack stands and do it in the parking lot. Oh no, I just I did it at my mom's place. Oh okay. Because stepdad has a. Did you roll it up on. Yeah. Oh, you have a lift. He's a jack. <laughs> yeah. 
thought we got. He yeah, jack stands. Jack it up on jack stands. He doesn't have jack stands. Why? Well, okay. He did have jack stands. And then he gave them to a friend. The friend brought them back broken in half. How? They're jack stands. This How does that dumb work? motherfucker. I These jack stands are made for cars. Just cars. Okay. He put a fucking dump truck on them. And they just snapped. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, we're like, well, we fucking know what happened. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I'm fortunate in that my line of work allows me to do my own oil changes easily on a lift. Yeah. And my own vehicle maintenance easily on a lift. <laughs> Lifts are nice. Well, the stepdad wants to install one in the pole barn. Oh, yeah, Bull Barn's got more than enough space to do a lift. The only thing is he has the Nova that he's working on and the Firebird that he's working on, so both of those are sitting in the Bull Barn, so right now he right. can't. But I was like, whenever you want to do it, like I'll come and help if I can. And he's like, yeah, dude. It won't go like super high, but... No. Yeah, but it'll work. It'll be high enough. Yeah, yeah it'll be better than jacking it up, crawling under there, finding the bolt. Crawling back out, uh, taking it down, putting the thing under, pulling the bowl off. Oh, God. I mean, you're telling me. My dad and I built a car in our garage. Short version, I know how it feels. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no. Uh. I. My dad and I really want a place to store more cars and work on things more easily. We just don't have one yet. We should also get on... Um, I want to end the podcast here because I do want to talk to you a little bit afterwards. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's going to be the end of Ramble On. We rambled on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It was longer than the last one. Yeah, but that's all right. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you guys for joining. Have a good day and never stop questioning. Question everything. <laughs>